From regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed PowerCash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to this episode of Ghosts in the Night, a Hauntings and Paranormal Podcast. Now, today, I want to talk about paranormal or ghost hunting equipment. If you watch these shows, you've seen them use all this high-tech, fancy equipment, and today, I want to talk about that. So, stick around, and let's get this podcast started. Ghost in the Night with Phil Sams. Not too long ago, I posed this question on Twitter to all the followers that follow me. And if you're not following me, what are you waiting on? At night underscore ghost. Go check it out. Go follow me. That way you can get updates on this podcast, when it's going to come out. Maybe sometimes I'll tell you in advance what's going to happen. You know, future ideas of podcasts. And I love to get your comments on past topics or future topics. So head on over there and follow me. But I posed this question not too long ago about what is your favorite paranormal piece of equipment? What do you like to use when you go out ghost hunting? Now, I have some thoughts on this, and but I wanted to get some other people's viewpoints, get their opinions, and hear what they had to say. And I did get a really good response on it. And for the most part, mainly most of them just, you know, said the typical stuff, EMF detectors, K2s, video, audio, SLS cameras, Oculus devices, and things such as that. Everything you see on the paranormal shows. But I have a really strong opinion on the equipment that is presented as paranormal detection devices, essentially. Now, you have to keep in mind that all of these, oh, on a side note, Actually, I, nobody, I don't, now that I think about it, nobody actually said a spirit box, which kind of surprised me because it's more, that is more of an instant gratification tool, essentially. You know, you ask a question and it's scanning and you might get an answer. I really thought with the popularity of all these ghost hunting shows that the spirit box would actually be one of the most commonly said piece of equipment that they loved to use or whatever, but it wasn't. Nobody, nobody said spirit box. That was what was interesting about my little quick survey I did on Twitter. But getting back, I digress, getting back to what I was talking about. Um, I have some really strong opinions on ghost hunting equipment. Now, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I'm not big on all the equipment. I mean, I've kind of been accused at times of being an equipment equipment hater, but I'm not. I I recommend it using them because for one reason and one reason only. That is because you need to document all of your experiences. And if you can document, if you have a personal experience, whether you see an aberration or you hear a disembodied voice or whatever, if you can document that on as, as many devices as as 
possible. Now, EVPs are different because we don't hear them. They just show up on a recorder, and they can show up on one recorder and not the other recorder. I've had many, in most cases, most almost 99.9% of my EVPs that I've caught while out on an investigation, I've picked up on a digital recorder and not picked up on a camera because odds are I have a camera rolling if I have a digital recorder rolling or vice versa. I've, I don't think I've ever caught an EVP or even a disembodied voice on both pieces of equipment. Now, that can be mainly because of the different type of microphones. I don't put a special microphone on my camera because I don't use um, the audio from the camera that much, very rarely, because it's pretty shitty. I mainly use secondary devices and a recorder for capturing audio. Mainly the, the digital cameras and the night vision cameras are just to catch visual stuff, essentially. But you need to document your experiences, the evidence. And the more devices you can capture that on, the better off you are and the more weight it adds to that evidence. And that is really how I look at equipment. And now, naturally, I think some of them are complete BS. I'm not sure. You know, you can't go 100% on either of any device. Um, there is no perfect ghost hunting or paranormal detecting device out there. Because you have to keep in mind, we're using normal equipment for everyday use to try and document and prove the existence of spirits and the ghost realm. And it's all based on theory, just like the EMF meter or EMF detectors or the K2 meters, all of those that measure or calculate or detect the amount of EMF in a particular area. Now, EMFs in the world and there's always going to be EMF. Now, the theory naturally is that spirits manipulate that and can cause spikes and such when they're trying to manifest or communicate or pass by or whatever. But there's still EMF in the atmosphere. Equipment gives off EMF. Your cell phone will give off EMF. The camera, um, any kind of natural, any kind of electricity in the location you're investigating will give off EMF. Now, that is really, I think, the best use of any kind of EMF detection device. And I'll just go with the EMF meter right now. I'm going to separate, I'm going to separate the K2 meter for right now. Um, but an EMF detector that kind of gives you a digital readout of the level of EMF is great. And I recommend using that just to kind of get a baseline. Go around. Find out where the hotspots are. Look for places where you're getting spikes. When you're not even investigating, when you're not asking questions or doing anything to paranormal investigate a supposedly haunted location, you need to go through, get a baseline, see where the spikes are. Naturally, you're going to have spikes by outlets, fuse boxes, and all that. If uh, a light socket is maybe turned on or a light switch turned on, you're going to need to know where those are before you start investigating. Because if you get a false positive when you're you know, asking questions and you see a spike or whatever, or you're walking through an area and you feel a cold spot and you see a spike or whatever, if you've documented and taken notes and understand where the hot spots are naturally occurring, 
it can discount, you know, you can't bring both pieces of evidence. Like I said earlier, you want as much evidence to be documented on multiple devices as you possibly can. So EMF detectors really are great for that, finding the hotspots. Now, let's talk about K2 just a little bit. The K2 meter is different. Now, you just, it's pretty, got little flashing lights. Um, When you get a little spike in the EMF field, you know, the lights will peg to orange, whatever they are, you know, from green to orange, whatever, which is really interesting. And you'll get those spikes and those hotspots. So if you're using a K2 meter and you've done your pre-inspection where you found hotspots and you're sitting in a spot where you're not getting any spikes at all, or you, there are no spikes at all, and you are getting some spikes on your K2 meter while you're investigating, while you're asking those questions, while you're trying to communicate with the spirits, then you know that lends a little bit more credibility to particular experience that you are having. Now, a lot of people like to use this for, um, you know, asking questions, light it up for yes, don't light it up for no. That's all well and good. And I've done it. I've been with groups that have done it. And you sometimes get some really interesting responses. Just like uh, uh, if you heard that podcast where I did film or not filmed, where I recorded the podcast on location at a haunted location in Cincinnati, at a, we were outside in a greenhouse. There was no electricity there once whatsoever, no spikes, and uh, you know, it was just on green. We started, you know, asking questions. You know, we were doing a uh, EMF, or I'm sorry, an EVP session, and the K2 meter was just sitting there, and it started going off. And remember, we're in, with nowhere near any electricity. There is no electricity in this place whatsoever. The only electricity that was there was a power box that I was using to, you know, power the mobile podcast station I had rolling. And that was actually, the podcast was actually recorded, done in the bag, and we were just doing some investigation. So, investigating. So, that was even out, so it wasn't the power box. Now, when we started getting, you know, responses, naturally started flickering, so we geared questions to Hey, give us a response on that device. Make it light up if it's yes. And, you know, you know the you know the routine. You've seen it, and you know we were getting decent response responses. And you know, so after we were kind of done and it died out and it quit, what we basically did was, you know, I said, hey, we need to make sure it's not cell phones or whatever is in our pockets. Everybody's got a cell phone, so we kind of did some testing. You know, put the cell phone up to it, and one of the People at the had did have an EMF pump. I said, "Was the EMF pump on or off?" He said, "It's been off for, it's been off, so it wasn't that." You know, we put the K two meter up to it, so it definitely was off. So we tried to figure out if what was causing that to spike, but we couldn't. Now you can't rule out a natural EMF spike just coming up from the ground. I guess I'm not a scientist. Didn't play one. On, don't play one on TV. And I have no clue. I'm basically a high-functioning moron. So I'm not a scientist. But I'm pretty sure there was no EM- there should have been no EMF for that particular location at that particular time. So it makes that encounter or that experience we had that much more interesting. Now, is it 100% proof? Absolutely not. It's interesting. So that kind of covers it. K2 meter and the EMF meter. They do have their uses. 
Now, we can go into like kind of the fancier stuff like the Ovulus device, which, you know, I'm not because I'm not a scientist. I don't know. I just know it gathers the at stuff in the atmosphere and it somehow has a word bank and spirits can manipulate that and speak out words. I don't put as much credibility into those type things as most people, but they can be interesting. I mean, when you're asking questions and you're getting somewhat intelligent responses that are relevant to the question you're, you're asking, it is interesting and it moves you one step closer to documentation of the paranormal and spirits actually interacting with you. But like I said, it's not 100% one way or the other. You see these people and you that are using them and like the the shows, it's almost every, now you know, especially the shows, they're cutting out a lot. You're only getting the good responses where that actually line up with what they're asking or whatever. And there's probably an hour to two hours worth of asking questions where it's basically spitting out jarble and it's basically spit spitting out nothing or random bullcrap so you can't really take the shows at face value they're picking and choosing they're editing and they're corralling you into a certain direction of what they want you to believe obvious machines or obvious devices why do we keep saying machine obvious devices are interesting they're fun to use it's really cool when you get questions when you're getting answers to questions that you've asked that are pertinent and it makes it interesting but it's still not a hundred percent now a lot of i'm going to get to what i think are the key essential equipment that you have to have for paranormal research or paranormal investigating naturally flashlight need a flashlight don't want to fall and break your break your neck going through the dark um digital recorder is a must and also a digital camera is not a must but it helps gives you that much more of a chance to catch things and to pick up on things and you know adds to your workload just because you gotta go through all the footage but it's nice to have it's nice to get visual documentation of any kind of activity you are seeing and you know experiencing while you're on an investigation or having any kind of experience whatsoever now like i said it's great to get multiple or get an experience on multiple devices like if you're hearing a knock or a bang let's say you have a digital recorder going it picks up the bang or shuffling or footsteps whatever it may be you know the digital recorder catches it the camcorder catches, you know, some faint audio of it. And say you do have a K2 meter and it's going off. Now we can get into REM pods and stuff like that, which basically is just measuring atmospheric stuff and, you know, EMF, temperature change and all that stuff. I'm not a plain expert on everything that they actually catch or whatever. But, you know, it's you want to get multiple documentations on that. So that's why you need a digital recorder, and your eyes and ears, essentially, in a flashlight. Those are the only things you truly 100% need. Everything else, I would I would actually put, you know, the digital camera right up there with it, but it's not a must. 
But everything else is just icing on the cake. It's not a necessity, but it helps in documenting those experiences you are experiencing. Experiencing, because I, I in my tweet I said my most important things are my eyes and my ears, because I want the personal experience. I know what I feel, what I see, and what I hear. Those are really what I'm looking for, and everything else is just extra. Now let's get to some of the other stuff, like the SLS camera. I don't know how that shit works, but you know, it's cool to watch on television and it'd be really cool to see in person. I've never actually used or seen or been around one, but it's it's cool. I mean, I guess it moves you that much closer. I don't know understand exactly what it picks up to put that fancy little stick figure on the monitor. But, you know, it just adds to the allure and the excitement of ghost hunting and Hopefully, it kind of brings you closer to getting some documentation. Now, do I say it's 100% foolproof that it, something pops up and that means there's a spirit right there? No, not really, but it's interesting. Okay, spirit box is what I really want to get to right now, and which, like I said, I was shocked that nobody mentioned the spirit box. Because, like I said, because it was, you know, you get that instant gratification. If you follow me on YouTube, you know that, or subscribe to my YouTube channel, you know that I do put up some ghost box sessions, you know. But let's be real, they, a ghost box or a spirit box, all it is is a scanner. And I've even heard them, I forget who I, who I was watching or listening to, you know, basically called it a, a broken scanner. And it's a broken scanner because generally when, you know, a scanner picks up a, you know, a frequency with action on it, it stops and plays that. Just like the seek button in your car radio. You hit seek, it goes to the next station, which basically it scans to the next station. And as soon as it picks up a signal, it stops and do it. A spirit box or ghost box, basically all it does is it doesn't, it, same principle, it just doesn't stop. Now, so you are basically picking up radio chatter essentially and the fact that it doesn't stop makes it interesting but so single word or single you know just one quick little words you know you can't especially if you're getting a lot of you know inter- you're picking up a lot of radio interference i guess or not inter- interference for what you're doing but radio signals it makes it more difficult now with the spirit box so just little single one word answers it's cute it's fun but does that definitely mean that a spirit is coming through or using that device to, or you're picking up on the conversation, essentially? It's hard to say with one word. Now, where it gets really interesting is when you start picking up multiple words or a whole sentence. I think the most I've ever heard or could make out is three or f- about three, maybe four once. You know, an actual, almost sentence, basically, which... The way the spirit box works as it's scanning through that, those frequencies, you know, it should only pick up, if it's a radio station that it's picking up, it might pick up that one word and then it'll be gone by the time it gets the second, especially the third and fourth or whatever words. So you shouldn't pick up multiple or multiple words as it's going down. It's picking up one word from each and, you know, it's that's one hell of a coincidence. 
Now, a lot of these features or a lot of these devices, you know, you can run backwards, which adds a little bit more interest to it. Speed of the the speed of the run through the frequencies is very important. You know, the faster it goes, the better off you you are. And you know, a real interesting thing, you know, you have to keep in mind our brain makes connections and tries to rationalize and tries to put everything together. We're taking in our brain is taking in all this data and it's trying to compute it and decipher it and give us what we think it is or whatever. And that's in everyday life. You know, you're being bombarded bombarded by all this information and you your brain's trying to process it. Throw in paranormal research or ghost hunting and you're doing a ghost box session, you'll notice that your brain will I don't want to say tricky, which it can, but it interprets things by based on the situation. So you can hear things that aren't really there. Your brain's telling you you're hearing it, and but it's not really what it's saying. It's just how you're interpret, interpreting the noises that you're hearing. A lot of people, kind of a big thing in the paranormal world right now is a way to use the ghost box, and it's called the Estes method, I believe. Maybe, I don't know. But basically, it's where you one person listens to the ghost box through noise canceling headphones, and he's not watching. Blindfolded is best, and other people are asking a question, and the person listening just spits out what he hears. So he has no idea what is being asked, so he cannot be influenced by the questions asked. He's just hearing something and he's spitting it out. That you know that that makes gives it a little bit more credible credibility i mean it's really you that takes out the influence factor because that person has no idea what is being asked it makes it more interesting is it still 100 percent proof that the spirits are interacting with us through the ghost box or is the ghost box just picking up the uh expression of the ghost i don't know but it's still it makes it that much more interesting now it's not great for video so if you're making youtube videos with the essence method you know it's kind of boring let's be honest i mean you're just hearing a guy spit out words but anything you can do to make it a little bit more credible is a plus is a bonus but all these things that you used to investigate the paranormal, it's still not 100% proof of paranormal because you're picking up on things that are happening around you naturally in the world as well as hopefully paranormal. It's all based on theory, based on what we believe. We believe that a ghost, when it's trying to manifest, affects the EMF field or affects the temperature do we have 100% documentation or do we know it's 100% fact that this is happening? Absolutely not. We don't. You know, there's a lot of factors that can go into a temperature change or a cold spot. You'd have to have a whole slew of equipment to make sure to rule out humidity and all that other nice, fancy scientific stuff. But it makes it, makes it interesting. But is it definitely not proof that there's ghosts interacting with us? No, it's not either. You, It's not 100% one way or the other. 
So you have to keep that in mind when you're using all of this equipment. Be skeptical about everything. Trying to debunk is your best philosophy. If you hear a knock, try to debunk what could have caused that knock before you jump right to the paranormal. That is the best way to go about it. Worry about your own experiences, what you see, what you hear, how you feel. Those are your best indicators of something's around you or something's interacting with you. And then when you get that rolling, you get in tune with that, then you can throw in all this other stuff. And when it all aligns, it makes it that much more interesting, that much more compelling that maybe you are making contact with the spirit world. That's my two cents worth. You know, I prefer, you know, I'm in this for the personal experience. I want to experience it. I want to see the ghost. I want to hear the ghost. I want him to come up right to my ear and say, hey, what's going on? You know, or tap, tap me on the shoulder. Now, I recently posted a video where, you know, something touched. You know, I was, I think, at Wickland Manor, and, you know, something touched my face. You know, something brushed up against my face. It was, luckily, the camera was on me at the time. There wasn't a bug. You couldn't see a bug. I don't know what it was. You know, it was heavier than a tickle, but it wasn't like a grab. It it was just like, you know, somebody touched my face just like that. It wasn't like, you know, how we all get little itches or scratches. It was a little bit more intense than that, but it wasn't like I got punched in the face either. But without having that camera right there facing me when it happened, I couldn't rule out a bug because there's no evidence that it wasn't. There's no evidence either way. So you need all this equipment and all this stuff to validate your experiences, but it's not a necessity. What you experience is most important. So keep that in mind if you're going out ghost hunting. And I will later on, I'm going to do a uh, podcast and a video on the ghost apps for phones. This is fun. It's funny. I have a definite strong opinion on it. And I'm going to, maybe in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about that. But that's going to wrap up this episode of Ghost Tonight. Thank you for taking the time to visit this podcast, listen to this podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Hopefully you liked what you heard and you will subscribe. Give us a comment. Give us a thumbs up. And if you're listening to it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever else, however you take in this, be sure to leave us a comment. Subscribe. Helps us out a bunch. And also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at night underscore ghost. We're on Facebook as well, Ghost in the Night Podcast, and also on Instagram at ghost underscore night underscore podcast. Follow us in all that social media stuff and be active, be inter- be interactive. And also, if you have a ghost story you want to share, be sure to reach out to me via Twitter or any of those social, me- social media links I just mentioned. Or you can email email me directly at ghostofthenightpodcast at gmail.com. So until next week, take care, everybody, and have a great day.
Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hey, it's Rick from upstairs. Yeah, I take it seriously. When I play R&B at 1 in the morning, that's me saying, hey, I'm here for you. And I enjoy repetitive bass lines. I only use expired batteries in my smoke detectors. <laughs> nice, right? Yeah, upstairs neighbors help people forget their troubles. Give them something else to focus on. Ooh, want to see how high I can jump? Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor. No, wait, let me try again. But we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Uh, yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, give it thou the berries. For 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. No, it's from Geico, because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.